Well, today we continue our sermon series where we're looking at some of the questions that we find in the Bible, questions that God asks or questions that Jesus asks. And then we're looking at the responses of those to whom the questions were directed. And then we're spending some time thinking about how we might respond to the same questions today. We've been alternating between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so today we find ourselves in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. If you were paying attention, you notice that Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem. He's there for a festival. We don't know what festival Jesus is attending. It's as if John, the gospel writer, doesn't really think it's important to the point of the story. But we need Jesus to be in Jerusalem because he is going to make a visit to a pool. This pool is named, the name literally means house of grace, house of grace. And um, this pool is believed to have um, healing powers. Uh, They believe that there was an angel of God that would periodically stir the waters of this pool. And if you were the one that could get into the water first, after the angel of God had stirred the waters, then healing was possible for you. And so what that meant was is that people who were desperately ill were just hanging out by this pool waiting for the waters to be stirred. And and what it also means, ironically, is that when those waters were stirred, the person that needed healing the least, uh, the fastest one, the one who could get into the water the quickest, was the one to be healed. So how ironic that this place is the house of grace, where there really wasn't any grace, the best Uh, the the healthiest one was likely the one who got into the pool first, while the people who were needed it the most uh, did not get into that pool. House of Grace, hardly. Well, there's a man that's been here for 38 years, and scholars believe that the average lifespan of a person at this particular time in history was about 38 years. And so what we can take from that is that this man had literally been ill his entire life. He's probably spent his entire life gathered around that pool just waiting for the waters to stir and hoping that he could somehow get into that pool the fastest so that he could be made well. And Jesus arrives at this pool and we're told that he either instinctively knew or divinely knew that this man had been there a long time. And so Jesus goes up to that man and says, do you want to be made well? Now, that sounds like a foolish question to me. I mean, if the man has literally been ill for 38 years, I mean, the obvious answer, right, would be, yes, I want to be made well. But maybe, maybe Jesus knew what I learned in one of my previous appointments. When I served in Fayetteville, Tennessee, we had a county seat church that was uh, known for its benevolence. And so we had people who would frequently come into the church looking for help. And uh, I began to notice uh, that some of these people were the same people over and over and over again. And it occurred to me that while we were helping them a little bit every month, we were really not helping them in the long run. We were really just putting a Band-Aid on on a wound that was still bleeding. And, And so we began to talk about and think about how we might change how we offered assistance to people in our community. 
And what we decided to do was is that we would continue to help people the first three times you came in, essentially no questions asked. We had a predetermined amount of money that we were willing to offer people when they came in. But when we saw you the fourth time, uh, we would sit you down and we would say, we still want to help you, and in fact, we want to help you even more than we've helped you in the past, but we also want to see evidence that you're willing to help yourself. And so here's what we propose to you. We propose that you sit down with us and help, let us see what your income is and what your expenses are. Let's, let's, let's work on a budget so that you can live within your means. And, and, and if you're not living within your means, then let us help you to decide how you might come to live within your means. You may not need a smartphone with unlimited data uh, you, to uh, every month. We could eliminate that and, and save you some money. We could do some other things. Uh, another thing that we would do is we had some people in the church that love to call credit, uh, credit card companies and haggle. And so we would find out these people who had tremendous amounts of credit card debt and we would call on their behalf and we would say, okay, uh, we know this person owes $10,000. We'll offer you $2,000 to settle the account. You know, when you're the one making that call and you're the one that owes the money, uh, it's really intimidating and they make you feel angry. But when somebody else calls, you know, I don't have a dog in that hunt. I can haggle with those people and I can get that credit card bill down. Uh, we also said we want you to go to church because we believe that when you're spending more money than you're making, that you're trying to fill your heart and your life with something that only God can fill. And so we felt like that was a spiritual issue. And so you didn't have to go to our church. But if we were going to help you, then we wanted you to covenant to go to a church uh, in a faith community. We would also, because of a large donation that somebody gave, uh, we would match, uh, if you got out and got you a second job, or if you took on more hours at your present job, we would match what you made with those additional hours or with that second job up to a certain amount of money. So uh, we were willing to do lots of things to help people. I mean, you could end up uh, getting thousands of dollars from us if you were willing to do all of these things. You know how many people took advantage of that in our first year? About two or three. Uh, most people who came in and wanted money well, that fourth time, and we would sit down and say, well, we're, we're ready to give you thousands of dollars potentially if you'll just show evidence that you're willing to do a little bit yourself. And they're like, nah. I'll just go down the street and I'll get $25 from the Church of Christ and $25 from the Baptist and $25 from the Presbyterian. They really didn't want to better their situation. They really didn't want to receive the help that we were willing to offer. And I wonder if that's what's going on here in the scripture because it seems like Jesus asked this foolish question, do you really want to be made well? But maybe what Jesus is asking is, are you willing to make the changes that healing is going to require you to make once you get up and walk? Because there's a really good chance that this man has been ill for 38 years, that somebody has carried him to that pool every morning so that he might be able to find uh, get into that water first. There's a really good chance that somebody else has cooked his meals. There's a really good chance that someone else was feeding him and that somebody else was clothing him. And so 
Jesus wanted to know, do you, are you, do you really want to be made well? Are you willing to do what it's going to require once you're healed? Because you're probably going to have to cook your own meals now. You're probably going to have to feed yourself. You're probably going to have to find a job to support yourself. And if it's true that he's in the twilight of his years because he's reached the average lifespan, how in the world is he going to be able to provide for himself? Has he been thinking about all of those things that would have to happen once he has been made well? You see, to get better often has a cost involved. It's often we have to change the way that we want to live. And I think Jesus just wanted to know where this man's head was. And this man doesn't even answer Jesus' question. He instead begins to blame everybody else. Well, nobody's here to help me get into that pool in the first place. And Jesus, you would think, might just ask him the question again since he didn't answer it the first time. But instead, Jesus uh, just says, take your mat, get up, and walk. And have you ever thought about what if this man hadn't have done it? What if this man had decided I'm not ready to deal with the changes that, that my healing uh, might require? He might have sat by that pool for the rest of his life and never known what it was like to have his life improved, to find healing. But he did get up and he walked. Well, most people in my church in Fayetteville, when we offered them this opportunity to really help themselves and to make life better for them, they really didn't want that kind of help. How about you? Do you want to be made well? Are, are you desiring something from God, but, but aren't really invested in the things that, that that change might require of your life? One of my favorite books, it's in my top ten book list, is uh, Andy Stanley's book, Principle of the Path. You've probably heard me talk about it a lot. It's that uh, important a book to me. Uh, the Principle of the Path, he works on a premise. He says that your direction, not your intention, will determine your destination. Direction, not intention, will determine your destination. Uh, for all of our folks who are out this week on fall break, maybe they went to Florida. Uh, maybe they had been planning to go to Florida for weeks and months. But if they'd gotten on I-65 and headed north, it didn't matter how much they intended to go to Florida, did it? They would have never made it. Because your direction and not your intention determines your destination. There are a lot of people who say they want to lose weight. And yet when that hot donuts now sign is on at Krispy Kreme, they pull on in and say it won't hurt just to have one donut or, or a dozen. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people who say that they want a better relationship with God, but they spend more time on their smartphone playing wordscapes than they do uh, in their Bible in the Word of God. You see, you can have the greatest of intentions... But show me your direction, and I'll tell you your destination. And so Jesus is asking that man, but he's also asking us, do you want to be made well? Would you like a life with me and with other people that's better than what you have now? What direction are you heading? In. 
Are you willing to make the changes to experience the kind of things that God might want to do in and for you? Are you willing to be made well? Do you want to be made well?